Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And for the next few moments, I'm going to invite you to stay with me. This will be a time of motivation, some inspiration, some education, but we do not use manipulation. We don't have hidden agendas. We're not trying to recruit you. This is not an infomercial. This show is about giving you truth, truth that will help you verify and identify the plan of God for your life if you're interested. And if you are, then you can orient and adjust to the plan as you learn it. My job is to get it accurate, get it right, not to mislead you, not to play games with you, but to give you straight up what the plan of God says in regards to your life. I don't know you, you don't know me, but the principles are there for all of us found in the Bible, the principles and the procedures that are taught in the Word of God. And so we have a show called The Flotline, F-L-O-T. If you're a listener that hears us regularly, On Sunday mornings in your area, you know it stands for the forward line of troops. And what we're using is that military analogy to explain how you can establish a defensive perimeter inside your soul that will stop the outside pressures of adversity before they ever become the inside pressures of stress. That's why we tell you adversity is inevitable, but stress is optional. Because if you will learn and if you will use these 10 unique problem-solving devices, then you will find that you can stop stress from ever getting into your soul. We've been doing a series called Going It Alone. It deals with evidence testing, and we're going to pick up just a little bit with this. I had the privilege to, uh, I did have the privilege, by the way, to teach this recently in Houston, Texas, and uh Going it alone or evidence testing deals with the time in your life as a Christian. If, in fact, you do reach spiritual maturity, if you do grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it deals with the time which Satan will cross-examine you just to see what you're made out of. You see that happen in the book of Job when Satan went to heaven and asked to cross-examine Job, and we see it. In Matthew chapter 4, the passage that we have looked at when Satan cross-examined the Lord Jesus Christ, we saw the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and we know that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and that the tempter then came to him and tried to tempt him. The first attack was to doubt the plan of God. I'm sure he tried to make our Lord Jesus Christ seem like God has forgotten you. I know you must really be hungry. You haven't eaten anything, and there I know you're so hungry. Why don't you turn this little rock into a loaf of bread and feed yourself? He had observed the miracles where our Lord had done that on two different occasions, fed many people out of just a small portion, and he knew that Jesus Christ was God. He knew that. He was the God-man undiminished deity, and true humanity in one body forever. He knew that Jesus could turn the stone into bread. However, you should know by now, had he done that, we could not be saved because he would have stepped outside of the plan of his heavenly Father, 
and he would have provided for himself other than letting the Holy Spirit provide his needs. This is a principle you need to remember. Never at any time did Jesus Christ our Lord, while he operated on this earth as a human, he never used his deity as God to sustain his humanity as a man. Had he done that, he would have done something you could not have done. And as a man, our Lord Jesus Christ did not do anything you could not do. He used the unique problem-solving devices that his father gave him. And as a matter of fact, the way that he defeated Satan is by using the faith rest drill. He defeated Satan here in Matthew 4 by using the faith rest drill and quoting scripture. That's what the faith rest drill is. It's you standing behind the shield of Bible doctrine, the shield of the Word of God. And as he quoted Scripture, he was finally able to subdue Satan, and Satan left him alone after the third attack. I think we'll probably see some of that, but let's take a look at one thing very important for you and for me. We have usually cover this in every show, but we know he was led by the Spirit, We know that's imperative, but there's something called divine guidance. In other words, there is a master plan that God has for your life. Did you know that? God has a master plan for your life. Now, this plan for Jesus Christ to be tested in the wilderness was part of the master plan called evidence testing, and there will be evidence testing for you if, I say if, you choose to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you choose to play games, if you choose to go to church, be a sweet little nice Christian, but not really get serious about studying God's Word and learning God's Word and applying God's Word. In other words, if you get trapped in the tradition of organized religion, and you don't really do what the Bible says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, G-R-O-W, grow, and that's not a request, that's a mandate. And you're not going to grow. No one's going to grow on a 30-minute sermon on Sunday morning and a 30-minute sermon on Sunday night. You're just not going to grow. I mean, if you ate one meal a week, would you grow? If we use that analogy, could you grow just eating a meal on Sunday? And the plan of God is not designed for you just to go to church and just to hear the preaching on Sunday and then go through the rest of it, your, your way, your way that week. God's plan is for you to take in his word every day, to stay filled with his spirit every day, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ every day. And the way you do that is just what the Bible says. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. And the way you study is under a qualified pastor who can teach you the Bible, a man who knows the original languages, a man who knows the word of God, who's dedicated his life to teaching the word of God, not to babysitting angry, frustrated, jealous Christians in a local church but teaching God's word. And as you find that man and you sit under that man, then you grow. For example, this morning at 7 o'clock, I was downstairs 
in my office listening to my pastor teach the Word of God, taking notes, drinking a cup of coffee and taking notes, and after an hour message that he taught on the life of Christ, then I'm ready to begin my day. And now you're listening to me. And I'm glad, I'm, but I'm not a pastor. I'm an evangelist. I'm, I'm the man who points you in the right direction, hopefully. So the directive will of God for your life is simply for you to stay in fellowship. He wants you to grow. That's why the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Study, approved, not be ashamed. In other words, wouldn't it be sad if you showed up at the judgment seat of Christ and realized that you blew an entire lifetime of opportunity because you were too busy to pay attention to the Word of God and you did all of those right things, but you did them in the wrong way? You didn't follow protocol. Oh, you went to church. Yes, you prayed. Yes, you tithed. Yes, you did this. Yes, you did that. But it's possible to do all the right things in the wrong way. See, if you don't understand the basic premise of the empowerment of the Christian life by means of the filling of the Holy Spirit, then you can do all the good deeds in the church you want to do, and it will all time turn up <clears throat> wood, hay, and stubble at the judgment seat of Christ. Read it for yourself. Compare it to your life. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 16. Imagine that's you there. Are those productions of yours wood, hay, and stubble? Or did you manufacture gold, silver, and precious stones? The gold, silver, and precious stones are the things you did for God under the filling of the Holy Spirit. The wood, the hay, and the stubble, that, that analogy there, that metaphor, that's human good. That's energy of the flesh. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean on your way to church last Sunday morning, you broke fellowship with God because you got angry at your wife. You got angry at your husband. You got angry at the traffic, and you lost it. You blew it. You were hot under the collar. And then you showed up at church, and you looked okay. You sounded okay. You were a Christian. You were in the right place doing the right thing. But did you ever rebound? Did you ever use problem-solving device number one? Did you ever go to God and admit your sin? Because if you didn't, yeah, you were in the right place. But you were in the wrong way. The Holy Spirit was quenched. The Holy Spirit was grieved. He could not take the doctrine that was taught from the pulpit of your church and transfer that doctrine into your soul because you had shut him down. And that going to church, that was recorded in heaven and will be revealed at a future event as wood, hay, and stubble. Did you also throw some money in the offering plate? Did you give a check? Well, that's going to be wood, hay, and stubble because you did it in the energy of the flesh, not under the filling of the Holy Spirit. You did a right thing. You went to church and you supported the minister of your church, but you did it in the wrong way. Wood, hay, and stubble. So the directive will of God is for you to grow up. It's for you to understand God's plan. It's for you to do precisely correct procedure. You can't make the rules up with God. You can't do, just make it your way as you go through the Christian life. Do you 
Come on, you know God has exactly, precisely correct procedure. Did you think you're going to walk into heaven and slap God on the back and say something like, hi, God, it's me, Ralph, and I made it? That's not going to happen. There is procedure in heaven. Look at the military. Look at, look at politics. Their procedure. And the procedure is the same way in heaven. A right thing has to be done in a right way. And the directive will of God is for you to learn it and do it. And do you know why? Because that's the only way God gets maximum glorification. When you do it his way, not your way, his way. When you do it his way, then you are glorif- you glorify God to the maximum. And if you do it his way, and if you learn his way, and if you live by the principles and the procedures taught in the word of God, you're going to be cross-examined. You're going to be challenged by Satan. But if you cannot get past the lure of the world, and you cannot get past the temptations of the flesh, then Satan's not going to worry too much about you because you're not going to be much of a threat. Are you a threat in the angelic conflict? Or are you just lion bait? That's right, lion bait. See, the Bible says Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. Is that what you've become, just lion bait? The directive will of God, there's also the permissive will of God. There are times God will allow you to make a lot of mistakes because that's the only way you're able to learn. You're too hard-headed. You can't learn the easy way, so you have to learn the hard way. And so you beat your brains out doing dumb things that waste time being suckered into giving money you don't need to give because God allows you in the permissive will of God to learn the hard way. When you're carnal, this is what's happening. Carnality is you being out of fellowship. The directive will of God is for you to stay in fellowship. But in the permissive will of God, as you get out of fellowship, God still loves you. He hasn't abandoned you. He still supplies your logistical needs in life, but he's waiting on you to recover and get with the program. There is the overruling will of God, and this simply means that God can put a wall of fire around you and protect you. You may have seen this in your life. There may have been times in your life when maybe you should have died, but you didn't. You weren't at the right place at the right time, and Maybe something terrible happened and you were spared. That's the overruling will of God. And I can show you thousands and thousands of incidences where this happened time and time again. When God's not through with you, nothing's going to take you out. Not yet. So God has some checkpoints. If you want to follow his, <clears throat> his will, if you want to do what his plan is, Well, first of all, he has a geographical will for you. In other words, he has some place he wants you to be. And if you're going to follow the plan of God, you need to be in the right place. He also has something that he wants you to think. That's called the viewpoint will of God. He also has something that he wants you to do. 
That's called the operational will of God. So he has some place he wants you to be, something that he wants you to think, and something that he wants you to do. Now, where would he want you to be? Well, I don't know. I'm not God, obviously, but I can tell you this. The greatest place you could ever be is face-to-face under the teaching of the canon of Scripture. I have seen many people up and move so that they could be face-to-face with wonderful Bible teaching. In today's society, that's kind of hard to do, but you can definitely access information free over the Internet or by DVDs or MP3s or by radio like you're listening to me now. But where God wants you to be is where your spiritual gift functions to the utmost in the body of Christ. You fit in the body of Christ somewhere, and that's where your spiritual gift should function. If, in fact, you even know that you have one and what it is, because God gives each of us at salvation a spiritual gift. Could be the gift of pastor-teacher, as my friend called it, the curse, which meant the rest of his life he's going to be studying teaching God's Word. Could be the gift of evangelism. That's what I have. Never trained for it, never planned on being an evangelist, and all of a sudden, after accepting Christ, I began to have opportunities and began to be exposed to people, and the next thing you know, 40 years later, I'm an evangelist. It could be the gift of giving. It could be the gift of helps. It could be the gift of administration. I can tell you some gifts that it's not. Because those gifts passed away when the scripture came. When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. And that which is perfect is the canon of scripture. There's no need for anyone to have the gift of prophecy today because the Bible says no one is allowed to add to or take away whatever's in this book. So if somebody's going to tell you something that's not in the book, then they're going to add to it. Danger, Will, danger. Look out. So there is a place God wants you to be. It's where you can grow and serve him. There is something that he wants you to think. It's to acquire the mind of Christ. And there is something that he wants you to do, and that's to glorify him to the max. So the question is, what does he want me to do today? And what does he want me to do with my life? What he wants you to do today is listen, learn, and apply. And then he wants you to grow. And then what does he want you to do with your life? He wants you to serve him, glorify him to the maximum. And all of this is revealed through the scripture, through the word of God. Hopefully, as a pastor teaches it to you, and you learn it. So the Holy Spirit led our Lord Jesus Christ into the wilderness. He was filled with the Spirit, and he did pass that test using the faith rest drill. But in our last study, I talked about how would you know if Satan were leading you? What about if it was a trick? What if it's not God, the Holy Spirit, but in fact it is Satan leading you? How would you know that? Well, our Lord was led to doubt his father's provisions. That's what he tried to get the Lord Jesus Christ to do, to doubt 
that he's going to survive without turning that rock into bread. He needed to feed himself. He probably suggested, maybe indirectly, that God had abandoned him. He will cause you to doubt God. He can confuse you and cause you to buy into the lie. He will promote his own viewpoint, his own doctrine, and he does it for one reason, to vindicate his case. He doesn't want to go to the lake of fire. He's trying to get out of the lake of fire. And he will use you to justify why God should not send him there. Maybe you've never figured out why you're here. But this is part of the appeal stage of the angelic conflict. You're here because Satan appealed the condemnation that God placed upon him to go to the lake of fire. And we have a change of venue. We have a true, a new trial, but this trial is on earth. It's not in heaven. And here you are the witnesses for the prosecution. You are. And Satan wants to cross-examine you. He cross-examined Adam and Eve. And we know that he got them disqualified by tempting them to sin and convincing Eve that God was, in fact, covering something up. So he got Eve to doubt God just as he tried to get the Lord Jesus Christ to doubt God's provision. And we know that Satan opposes the laws of establishment, freedom and marriage, freedom, marriage, family, nationalism. These are the laws of establishment. And if someone tries to move you away from that concept of freedom, marriage, family, and nationalism, then we know that that's Satan. That's not God. That's Satan luring you, moving you away from truth. We know he is the father of religion, so we know that this temptation to move away from the laws of establishment could actually come from the religious institutions. And we know that he's a liar, so the religious institutions could actually lie to you and we know that he's a murderer, so the religious institutions could actually murder you. There was the murder of the Lord Jesus Christ. They plotted it. They planned to murder him, to kill him. They took him captive, and they lied about everything. And when he hung on the cross, he was, in effect, condemned for something that he did not do wrong. He even said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I can assure you he would pray that for you too. As a believer, he might pray, Father, forgive him. He doesn't realize what he's doing. You know, in 1 John 2, the Bible says he's an advocate for us. He's our defender. He, he steps up for us. He's, the Greek word is the paraclete. He is the one who goes beside us. He loves you. He wants you to understand the plan. He's not mad at you, but he sure wants you to get it right. So don't buy into the lie. You see, all of Israel was not all of Israel. Some were the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Some bought into the lie that the Pharisees taught, and then others followed the voice of Jesus. They believed in him and received him as their Savior. And that's critical that you understand this because Satan has his ministers. The Pharisees were 
the ministers of Satan, and yet they looked holy. They sounded holy. They convinced people that they should live by these laws that they had regulated and and, uh, instituted that were even greater than the laws of Moses. And if you didn't do them, well, they would persecute you and perhaps even kill you. And so this is why they hated the Lord Jesus Christ so much and plotted his murder. The Bible clearly lays it out. What if Satan is leading you? Can you know it? Absolutely you can know it. You can know it for sure. But remember this, he cannot use any of his power apart from the sovereign will of God. In other words, God may permit Satan to test you. He might even permit Satan to punish you. But it's always under the control of God. In 1 Corinthians 5, you'll find Paul turning over someone for the destruction of the flesh. And he gives them to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. Maybe you ought to read that, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, and see it for yourself. So how would you know if Satan were leading you and not the Holy Spirit? Well, you would be tempted to compromise your core beliefs to start with. We have a royal family honor code, an honor code that we live by. The royal law is in James 2.8. We're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We're to use impersonal love. The royal family honor code requires us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to live under biblical orientation and grace orientation, and always to have a personal sense of destiny. So we're, we're like spiritual aristocrats, aristocracy. We're believers. We're Christians. And Paul said in Ephesians 4, Therefore, having laid aside the lie, each one of us should speak the truth with his fellow believers, since we're members one of another. We're not to lie. We're not to mislead. We're not to covet. We're to live by truth and integrity using impersonal love and grace orientation. The honor code is a phenomenal thing. And, I mean, I could teach this to you and spend 10 or 12 hours teaching you the honor code. So I'm just mentioning it right now. But Satan would tempt you to compromise your core values and your core beliefs. He would tempt you to ignore the divine precedence of the Christian way of living. In other words, learning those 10 unique problem-solving devices. He would tempt you to satisfy your immediate urges like he did Jesus. I know you're hungry. Turn the rock to bread. Satisfy your immediate urge. And so much that he would tempt you to do. So many ways. I'm not going to have time to finish it. I can see the clock is running down. But I'm going to come back and get into it some more next week. How would you know if, in fact, it's not God, the Holy Spirit, but Satan that's leading you? I hope you're listening, and I hope you're keeping your ears open. I hope you'll be back with me next week. Until then, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, 
please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.